Migraine Canada presents Migraine Talks with Dr. Elizabeth LaRue. A podcast to learn, share, and live better. Please remember, the content of this podcast does not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Discuss all decisions regarding your care and treatment options with your healthcare provider. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Elizabeth LaRue, neurologist in Montreal and your host for this Migraine Talks podcast. In today's podcast, we'll tackle the topic of refractory headaches. The term refractory has different meanings, but in the healthcare world, it means resistant to treatment. Sadly, many people live with daily headaches of different causes and have even forgotten what it means not to have a headache, something that many people can even believe exists. Living with chronic headaches is therefore a very tough situation. What do you do when the drugs don't work? How can one deal with destructive emotions and despair? How do you maintain hope? I thought I would ask someone who has been to hell and back so she can share bits of wisdom with us. It is my pleasure today to welcome Kelly Hayes Crook. Kelly is a special education specialist holding a Bachelor of Science from the University of Carleton and a Bachelor of Education from the University of Ottawa. She has worked with children with special needs for many years. However, she recently stopped working as it was contributing to an increase in migraine symptoms. She is now a volunteer for the Migraine World Summit and Migraine Canada. In today's interview, she will tell us about her journey living with chronic migraine and strategies that she found helpful. Kelly, I want to welcome you to this uh, podcast interview and thank you for taking the time to share your experience and thoughts with us. Welcome. Ah, thank you, Dr. Leroux. It's an honor to be here. So let's start with uh, very basic with a bit about yourself. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, in what part of Canada do you live and what, uh, what is your migraine story? How does that start? Uh, thank you. I moved from Ottawa recently to Prince Edward County, and I live in the on the beautiful Bay of Quinte, just across the bay from Belleville. Uh, so my story, 30 years ago, um, after I went bungee jumping, not once, but twice, uh, two weeks later, it started with headaches. It started with tension headaches. It was like I had a tight band around my head. And I also had quite severe neck pain. Now, to be fair, I had had two car accidents prior to that. So I think my body was primed, but I think the bungee jumping just kicked things off for me. So the, the tension headaches were disabling in that I could lose entire days with just not being able to think straight. It was a pain coming straight up from the back of my neck and wrapped around my head. And I went to my doctor at the time and she was really lovely and um, offered me Tylenol 3s, which I took a lot of. And in within a couple of years, I could no longer tolerate them. I was quite nauseous and would have severe stomach pains from the Tylenol 3. But the symptoms continued and I went to physiotherapists, osteotherapists, uh, neurologists. I had a neurologist wanted to sever the nerves in my neck. That one I did, wasn't fancy about. Um, I went, I tried diets, um, everything I could possibly think of to break these pain cycles that I would get. 
And I had no idea at this time what I had. And it just changed. It changed over time. Um, it continued being these intense pain episodes, but it moved into my eyes. Uh, one eye, as we well know, then I would get the nausea and the vomiting. And this has continued for 30 years. The one constant being the neck pain. The neck pain has never gone away. And I'm now into chronic migraine and I've probably been chronic for about 10 to 12 years. I have had every flavor of symptom. I've had the eye pains and the nausea. I've had brain fog. I've had memory loss. I've had dizziness, runny nose, aching teeth, um, you name it. And I have experienced on this poor little head of mine. I have my eyes have been swollen in so much pain. And some of the episodes, as we know, over the years have been, the only word I have is excruciating. I've had times where I've been clawing the walls. I've slept on the bathroom floor so I could be close to the toilet for both the diarrhea and the vomiting at the same time. Um, my poor husband and my kids watching me go through this has been horrific over the years. Um, but I would have episodes. This was always episodes for the first 15 or so years. So I would push through. As soon as I got well enough to stand again, I'd be going. I went back to university and did a degree. Um, raised my kids at the same time and went back to, I started working as a teacher. Uh, for the chronic, when it became chronic about 15 years ago, I was given um, some drugs that really helped me at the time, fioranol, opioids, triptans. And unfortunately, this one of the side effects we now know of those is if you take them um, frequently, which I did just to tolerate life, it can become, it can turn into chronic. And I did indeed become chronic. I did try preventative meds. I tried every, every med anyone would suggest to me. I gave it a go. And they just didn't, didn't work for my biology. Um, so recently I have moved to trying some other strategies. I also stopped working three years ago. I'm now 61. So I've, I've stopped working. Uh, my hair fell out. This was telling me that things weren't good in my body. So I stopped working and uh, have been working on other strategies to try to manage the pain. This is a long story, I think we can say, with many phases. And um, there, there seem to have been tough times. Um, and I can relate to that because, you know, I see a lot of patients and I've seen patients in my office crying, overwhelmed, desperate. Um, so anyone can only take so much, you know, just life goes on and, and you have to deal with all those symptoms and all this pain. So thinking back on those, you know, difficult moments, what would you say to someone who's going through these rough times? You know, how did you cope with, with that? I think how I used to cope um, was probably not helpful. I would guilt myself out a great deal of guilt and shame. I would be just um, the negative self-talk would be overwhelming. I was full of hatred and anger so I don't recommend those things because I don't think it helped. And because when I reached that point of being in, in that level of pain, I, medication didn't help. Nothing was going to pull it out. It simply had to go through the stages. So where I've gotten to now, and it's been a long, long trip to get there, is 
I accept it. Uh, it's not easy, but I find some meditation type music or music I can listen to. I put my iPods in and I just lay down in my dark room and listen to something that is soothing. Don't get me wrong. The self-talk comes up, the negative stuff pops up, but now I know it. I can hear it and I will remind myself, this isn't your fault. This is a disease. You've got a hyperactive or hypersensitive nervous system and we have to calm it back down because right now your brain is on fire. And so being angry at yourself only makes it last longer. So learning how to, uh, change the conversation in my head has been hugely, hugely important. Uh, I, cause I've come to realize the guilt and anger isn't helpful. Now, don't get me wrong. I still cry. Um, I still feel that anger, but I talk myself back around and I remind myself it just isn't my fault. Hearing Kelly talk about her long story, I was impressed by the symptoms she endured and by her resilience over years. I also thought that her story really reflected how headaches can start after a minor trauma, in this case a bungee jump, and evolve over time to full-blown migraine attacks. The influence of neck issues on headaches should be discussed in a future podcast. For now, let's just make it clear that post-traumatic headache may take different forms, including the migraine shape. I was also touched by how open Kelly was about the emotions she had to experience and how she found ways to live with them. But then I wanted to know more about medical treatments. Did she find medications that gave her relief? Yeah, absolutely. So I do want to stress that I do think medications are really important for people with migraine. I would not have Um, it would have been so difficult if I didn't find Botox. Botox and Triptans have been really, really helpful on my journey. And Botox did cut my um, episodic migraine in half. But nonetheless, I did become chronic. And it got to the point that even the Triptans weren't helping. So I knew I had to reevaluate the way I was going about living with migraine. The Migraine World Summit is a great resource for people interested by migraine and headaches. The key resources are video interviews with worldwide known experts on different topics, but other resources are also accessible. The interviews are launched and available for free every year for a week and then can be accessed uh, during the rest of the year for a fee. If you would like to learn more, go to MigraineWorldSummit.com. Now, let's hear what Kelly actually learned from the interviews with experts that she watched. Fortunately for me, when Migraine World Summit first started, I constantly was searching the internet and I found it the first year it came out. And so I watched that every year and just listening to all of these doctors around the world, having exposure to doctors from all over the world and hearing the different opinions, hearing about the migraine mechanism was massive for me. When I understood that my neurological system was really and truly heated up when I was in a migraine attack, it just made me feel so much better to know it was real because I had been told for so long, oh, just go breathe a little bit or, you know, you're just stressing too much. And all of these very condescending, although I think they're trying to be helpful, they were just so condescending. So to hear that they could actually see what was going on in our brain just helped me immensely. 
The other thing it did for me was it made me own it. It just helped me realize this is my body. No doctor is going to understand what I'm feeling. Even other people with migraine, we all feel it completely differently. We may share some symptoms. We may share the same disease, but we feel it differently. So I had to take 100% ownership of it. Also coming to understand that it was my pain threshold that had lowered. I had very high pain tolerance. I could stub my toe and be fine. I could you know, get injuries and I'd be fine. My threshold was really high. So I was riding through the day with pain and often getting up to four, five, six, seven, and riding through that before I would even look for help um, just because I was in pain so often. It was often my kids who would realize, mom, you're really, really grumpy. But I was like, oh yeah, this is really bad now that I got to do something. So my, no problem with tolerance. We have to understand that our, our threshold has gotten really low. So um, there was another Migraine World Summit um, talk on something called SEEDS, and that was a game changer for me. SEEDS is an acronym for Headache Lifestyle Counseling. The letters stand for sleep, exercise, eating, drinking, and stress management. Some people prefer to focus on one aspect at a time, while others will take a global approach and make many changes at the same time. Let's hear how Kelly used seeds to adopt a protective lifestyle. All right, Kelly. So let's talk about the first letter, sleep. What are your tips? Try to go to bed at the same time every night. Try to get a good eight hours sleep and get up at the same time in the morning. Resist that urge to sleep in. I think you, uh, you always have enjoyed... Uh, exercise and exercise is part of um, headache management. So what's been your experience with exercise and adaptation of exercise? I used to be someone who would run and do weightlifting for exercise and high intensity aerobic. That is not real for me anymore. And that was very difficult to accept. So now my exercise is yoga and walking and they, they work well for me. There's a lot to say about diet and migraine, and we should probably do a full podcast on these. But over the, year, the years, how have you adapted the way you eat and drink, which are the, the, letters, the other letters E and D? So tell us a bit more about that. So for water, I'm not sure why, but I didn't like to drink water much before. And that took a while to readjust. So now I drink at least eight cups of water a day. I have a glass of water all the time. And if I have coffee or anything with caffeine or alcohol, I up my water intake. Also for eating, I tried all of the eating diets over the years. And I have found for me, the most important thing to do is to eat really healthy food. So stay staying away from packaged food, reducing sugar. And for me personally, reducing gluten and dairy have really made a difference in how I feel. And finally, the word stress has different meanings. Uh, and you, you, I think you, you learned about that. So what's your experience with that famous word stress? It was a word I heard every doctor's appointment, reduce your stress, reduce your stress. And I didn't know what that meant. When I would wake up in the middle of the night with a migraine, I didn't understand what did I do while I was sleeping to stress myself out. So it meant nothing to me. When I reevaluated as looking at the stressors on my body, whether it be light, whether it be heat or cold, whether it be wrong, eating 
unhealthy food, not having drink, not being hydrated, running, anything that would create a physiologic, physiological stressor on my body, I need to re, redefine it for myself like that. And then it meant I would look at my world differently. I see the world through a different set of eyes now. And I think of stressors, not stress. Now that we've talked about this notion of stress, right, which is not necessarily being anxious or angry, it's just like a load, a mental load on our brains, and we reach this threshold. Um, well, we would hope that there could be things that we can do to calm the brain down. And I think you, you've learned uh, quite a bit of different techniques to, uh, to master that or to regulate your own brain. So uh, can you tell us about these techniques? Yeah, I have added a lot of things to my life. Now, to be fair, I know everyone's not going to have time for this because if you're working full time, I, I don't know I could have done it before. But I do breath work every day. For me, Wim Hof is a style that just works for me. But there's box breathing, there's 748, there's the double inhale, exhale. Finding a breath work that helps calm yourself down has helped immensely for me. So I do breath work every single morning and I follow it with some meditation. And that also helps me just kind of get inside my head. And I literally do, I go inside my brain. I visualize what my brain looks like and the area that's perhaps a little fired up at that time. And I try to calm it from the inside and it makes a really big difference. And it surprises me that I've been doing this for a long time, to be fair. Like, this isn't something I've started. It's been a couple of years, but I can, I can calm myself down. And I, I look at it as I used to get angry. I'd look at some, get a situation and get angry and get a physiological response. So now I understand I can also bring about a calming response. So that works really well for me. I use a visualization Um I've also done things like gentle stretching, yoga trapeze, and I like cold showers. Um, we know with migraine, some people like, like heat, some like cold. Well, the cold shower does calm me down as well. Listening to Kelly's experience, I was filled with respect and admiration. She had learned so much, and I know how much effort goes into making lifestyle changes and practicing meditation and breathing techniques. She also stated the obvious, Different techniques work for different people, and it pays off on the long term. In the last segment of our interview, I wanted to ask Kelly about her experiences with physicians in the emergency department, during appointments, and also get her views on how to access a headache specialist. So along your journey of, uh, of headache and migraine, so you've met probably a few physicians. Um, and it's interesting because uh, you, you did use a lot of uh, behavioral approaches. You learned a lot by yourself. It looks like the Migraine World Summit was an important resource for you. So what has been your experience with the way physicians manage uh, chronic headaches and any tips for people out there on how to uh, collaborate uh, effectively with healthcare providers? I have to start by saying it's a challenge. It is a real challenge for us. I've known all along, at least I believed all along that mine was largely related to my neck, but I've never really been able to bring that into the conversation with anyone. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just think it's a, 
a really big challenge to find a doctor that you can work with. GPs, in my experience, are simply not trained on it. And so I usually go into the office with more information about my condition, both from inside me, I know myself, but I'm researching really great resources all the time. So it's, it's a challenge finding, getting them to hear, getting them to hear what we have to say, I find really difficult. So the things that I, oh, and I also had one, <laughs> one dreadful experience. I went to the emergency room and many of us have had this and I knew what meds I cannot have. Some meds make me really, really ill. I can't remember what they are, but I went in at five in the morning. My lovely daughter drove me at, um, at five in the morning. She was 16 years old. I was in excruciating pain because I did not like going to emergency. And I begged this doctor, please do not give me whatever these meds are. I had a card with them written on it. And he first accused me of being a drug addict which was unbelievably insulting, um, especially when you have no ability to even speak from yourself when you're in that much pain. And then he gave me the meds I asked him not to give me. So I was went from a severe migraine to a shivering, crying, uh, <laughs> I was a wreck. I've never, never been back since and I won't go back again. So I think my advice would be write down all of your questions Bring a friend with you. I often seem to be in a brain fog when I'm at the doctors and the neurologists. So having everything in writing is really helpful. And I get them to slow down so I can write down everything they say to me so that I can go home and look at it when my brain works. I often find I'm anxious before a doctor's appointment. So I try not to have coffee and may do some deep breathing or something to try to get myself calm down before I go in. That was a fantastic deep dive in your journey. And I think your journey uh, will be extremely inspiring to uh, other people who go and struggle through all this because all in all, I think we have to, re to remember how many options we have that learning is key. And that's why the Migraine World Summit can make such a big difference. We certainly also hope that Migraine Canada can contribute and that we'll be able to help people to find headache clinics so you can find the appropriate care that you need and that will be different for each one of us. So thank you, Kelly, for um, chatting with me today and sharing your experience with the community. Thank you, Liz. It's great talking with you. Migraine Canada is a not-for-profit organization. We improve the lives of Canadians affected by migraine and other headache disorders through awareness, support, education, advocacy, and research. This podcast does not replace a medical advice. Always consult your treating healthcare provider to make any medical decision. If you enjoyed the content of this podcast, listen to the 11 others from our 2021 series, available on your favorite platform. Remember that you'll find plenty of additional information on MigraineCanada.org. Is there a topic you'd like to hear about in the future? If you have suggestions or feel like sharing your thoughts, please email us at info at MigraineCanada.org and don't forget to check our website. We'd love to hear from you. 